Today's podcast is brought to you by Timex, the official timekeeper of the Melania Trump divorce countdown. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. Today, uh, I am pumped because we are rolling out a new podcast episode series called State of the Stat, folks. This is a, it's a new series where, get this, we feature a stat uh, on a weekly basis. Um, and when I say we, I mean uh, I ask a few very general questions uh, while trying to sprinkle in a couple jokes. Uh, and the hard-hitting research and all of the, the real legwork uh, who, who really carries this segment is our State of the Stat correspondent. Uh, he's a man who you've heard on this podcast before. He's a human rights activist, a journalist, a fiction writer. Uh, he's a lover. He's a sinner. Uh, he plays his music in the sun. Uh, and now that he's in Florida, probably with a gun too. Uh, Corey Hill, thank you for being my guest, sir. Excellent. I feel like uh, you can't do much better than uh, a, you know, a Meredith Brooks reference so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna live the rest of my life trying to top that <laughs> just go off on that that note right there um first off uh we were talking a little bit before but uh you've been a guest on the podcast many times um we, we've gotten a lot of downloads because because of your insight and in, in your humor and your wit um tell people a little bit about uh if they don't know though just tell people real quick um, because we're, we're going to be doing this preg- pretty regularly, and uh, I just want them to, to intro you and, and know who you are. So tell folks a little bit in a nutshell about yourself. Sure. I mean, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I've been doing uh, human rights activism and, and journalism for the better part of the last decade, uh, writing for Alternate and, and Earth Island Journal and working on campaigns uh, for folks uh, you know, the, the main gist of, of that thought process is trying to figure out how to how to get people fired up about, uh, you know, the planet burning up beneath them, uh, <laughs> which I think, you know, is something we should think about every once in a while. Yeah, we were talking about that before the before we, we started recording here, because I'm out in California where you used to be, and it's we've had this huge heat wave up here in Northern California, and uh, I know that, like, my apartment feels like a, a men's locker room at the Y right now. And you're in Florida where, I mean, I, I imagine like you're starting to see it's, it's getting very swampy over there, huh? Uh, yeah, it's pretty absurd. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why people decided to live here. I, I was going to say the, the swamp ass levels are pretty high. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know, baby, power, baby power sales skyrocket this time of year. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's get to it. Tell us this week for our first ever state of the stat. What do you have for us? I have a uh, an awe-inspiring number, which is two cents. Uh, brought to you by the Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren. Is that just like? Like her two cents, like chiming in on Twitter, or, or what is it exactly? I imagine there might have been some thought to to you know make a cheeky little reference there, but the <laughs> the two cents is you know Elizabeth Warren is famous for saying I have a plan for that, and the two cents uh, really hammers home kind of the wealth disparity and what could be done if we start thinking differently about it. In this case, 
you know, putting a two cent wealth tax on the 75,000 uh, largest fortunes in the country can fund universal childcare, universal pre-K, universal college, uh, and, you know, get rid of 95% of the student loan debt burden, um, mm-hmm. you know, all for two cents. And, and is that getting, I mean, when, when she's enrolling a plan like that, like how much is, I mean, is it getting a lot of criticism and backlash, I imagine, from people like, well, you know what, this, this isn't going to, this doesn't add up, that kind of thing? Or, um, I mean, what, what do you think, or what has been be- the reaction, I guess, to that, both on the campaign trail and, you know, among assholes on uh, CNN? <laughs> <laughs> well, in- interestingly, you, you get this... Uh kind of nitpicking into the details of it broadly you know anyone who looks at the numbers realizes they kind of check out uh you're talking about so much money held by you know what is a a fairly small group of people that yeah the two cents checks out what you sort of get held up on is then the you know the implementation and is this legal because it's not an income tax it's a wealth tax which sort of you know, starts an interesting process for me, which is, you know, folk, folks aren't saying that this these numbers don't check out. But what their argument is, is like, should we do this? Like, is it okay to do this? Which to me seems uh, a no-brainer, but it shows you kind of how warped the conversation is that here's this thing that's, you know, a minor, not even noticeable, uh, you know, inconvenience for this group of folks. And there's legitimate, uh, you know, pushback on, oh, I don't know, should we, you know, take two cents of every dollar for people who have, you know, uh, multiple homes and 100-foot boats? Right. I don't know. Only time will tell. Right, right. Yeah, in, 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 I mean, it seems like in some ways, it's, to me, it comes to mind is like um, one of the, kind of like the, you know, AOC's Green New Deal idea, which is... I mean, it's not necessarily like a fleshed out plan. This is obviously a fleshed out plan where you said like, you know, the numbers add up and okay, some people are debating it, but it's, it's kind of this thing that to me shifts the conversation to a bigger point, which is that, uh, you know, like you said, if you take a small percentage of the income of the top 75,000 Americans, then it, it, you really can go and fund all these different things. And so... I guess that's that's the greater point, and sometimes it can be lost. But within the debate, right, within some of these like op-ed pieces about this, criticizing it or supporting it or whatever, it, it does to me seem like it shifts the conversation. I mean, is that how you feel? Um, like a, a policy like this is, I mean, is it even shifting like the democratic landscape and what the other candidates are talking about when when they're on the stump? Yeah, and I think you know you have you have to give credit where credit is due in terms of the new energy and movement within the Democratic Party. I mean, you know, AOC you reference is a pretty big driver of that, but it would have been unthinkable, you know, the last election cycle, even other than for Bernie Sanders. But if you go back, you know, to the Clinton era, where the Democratic platform was basically like you know, Republican light, you know, Democrats were running on getting rid of uh, social welfare spending and Democrats were running on international trade deals that, uh, you know, devastated manufacturing bases in America as opposed to where we are now. So there's, there's real movement and this kind of thing helps change the baseline uh, for what's, 
you know, reasonable and what's considered radical. Um, you know, I don't think it should be considered a radical idea that, uh, we shouldn't have groups of people, uh, you know, hoarding vast sums of cash when necessary social spending doesn't exist. Uh, and, you know, platforms and programs like these, and especially a really detailed one, uh, which is sort of Elizabeth Warren's specialty, really make a significant uh, shift in the old Overton window. And I'm wondering, like, and this is, I don't mean to paint you in the corner with this question, but, like, I'm going to give you two options, okay? I won't be returning to this program. <laughs> we, for the record, we don't, we, don't, we don't pay Corey anything, so he's... <laughs> He, there's a good chance he's he's not fucking around right now. Like he probably won't return if he doesn't like this. So, um, two options. All right. If Elizabeth Warren, I'm curious. If w- Elizabeth Warren wins and is somehow able to implement a wealth tax on the top one percent of Americans, what do you think Donald Trump will do here? Will he a finally reveal that he's not a billionaire and instead admit that all of his businesses combined are worth less than an old Navy outlet in Myrtle Beach, or b continue to tell everybody he's one of the wealthiest men alive, but in classic art-of-the-deal fashion, instead of paying the tax, offer up his son, Don Jr. I mean, I'd lean more towards B based on the person's past behavior is the best indicator of their future behavior sort of <laughs> predicate. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we can all agree that it's not really in his style to... Uh, admit anything truthful about himself yeah. uh so i'm i'm throwing all my chips on on b i would say too because like, I, I considered making eric trump you know the, the 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 scapegoat there but i'm pretty sure he would roll over don jr first i, uh, mean, I think the only one he would have any qualms about is his daughter um who he is really great <laughs> I was going to say like in in you know you're talking about Ivanka cuz I don't think he even knows Tiffany's name like I Oh yeah. I think he'll probably he would recognize her at at group parties or something like that but he wouldn't he 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 couldn't name he, he probably gives her he makes sure that she she has like Tiffany purses or something just so as like a mnemonic device for, you know to remember her name but um well, let's get back to this. So uh, back to the actual plan itself. Um, you know, I read a few articles about this, and, and of course they all talk about, um, like, how will this effectively be implemented, which, you know. Um, but what, what I'm, I'm really wondering about, like, trying to get to more an important question here, which speaks to, I think, how we got in this widespread economic gap, you know, how we have this wide economic gap in the first place. How will rich people cheat? Yeah, I mean, you can never underestimate the the bottomless ingenuity of people in shirking their tax. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it would it would almost certainly have to be accompanied by a fundamental uh, and comprehensive rethinking of a, exactly that of how we go after uh, this kind of fraud and criminality. I mean, I think. I think I found something really illuminating through the whole uh, our president was involved in actively welcoming the uh, you know conspiratorial efforts of a foreign power and everybody else he worked for uh, sort of thing, which was that, you know, Alan Dershowitz said, well, you know, speaking of Manafort, if you dig around with 
you know, with anyone, you're going to find this sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, shit, well, <laughs> all of your friends must be equally involved in, you know, multiple different uh, avenues of bank fraud and tax fraud. Uh, maybe not all of them are working with Russian intelligence and sharing polling data, but at the, you know, kind of a, gen- a gentleman's level of bank tax fraud is probably mm-hmm. sort of the standard for, for these sorts of folks. So it has to have some sort of... Uh, you know, enforcement uh, mechanism that goes along with it that's vastly different. I mean, I, did, I read this book, Matt Taibbi, uh, pretty recently that was contrasting, you know, the experiences of folks uh, in the criminal justice system at the last economic collapse. And you see, you know, one person goes to jail for X and one person destroys the economy and nothing happens to them. Um that's not a law of gravity. That's a, a series of policies and choices people made, and we can make different choices. <laughs> Wait, you're saying there's like a very logical, simple solution to this, huh? Yeah, I mean, simple in the sense that like too few people have too much money and power, uh, slightly more complex in the like, uh, how do we change that? Today's podcast is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Capital Chill, DC's dopest spot for sweet treats. Back again, apparently with tons of cash to burn on podcast advertising. New flavors for summer include AOC Acai, the Alex Jones, which is just a large bowl of ice cream with four times the daily recommended dose of caffeine with a dash of cocaine and commercial-grade gasoline. And our best seller, the Chili Bill Bar, which is just a cup of ice chips. Uh, but at $1, you can't beat that price. Mention the podcast and get two free Muller Crullers. These things are so dry, we can't give them away. Two more questions for you. Um, when it comes to... You, you mentioned Elizabeth Warren, how she's been able to kind of roll out these plans. Like, how is this, like, this particular plan, but also just in general, um, like, how do you feel like right now it's helping her stand out? I mean, it sounds like she's gaining traction, you know, in, in different polls and things like that. Of course, there's a ton, a ton yet to be decided, but. I mean, is this is this the kind of just from a general primary perspective? Is this the kind of thing that you think is helping the Democratic Party as a whole sort of move forward? When detailed plans like this that are also, um, I think, kind of sweeping and powerful in some ways, like, do you think that really helps pivot the party forward? I do, and I think that um, you know, for better or for worse, one of the Sanders campaign. Uh, and kind of his ongoing activity strengths has been um, in this this idea that we need to broadly critique how this all works. Um, but there weren't always detailed policy proposals, and there was some hand-waving uh, that went along with some of that. Not always, but to be able to say, yes, this, this is unjust, secondarily, here's my 28-point proposal, that is digestible to anybody uh, to address it is a very different prospect. And I do think that you see 
Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, moving up and, and becoming a strong contender. Uh, and I, I think, you know, in a somewhat unrelated note, some of that also has to do with the fact that she brings a lot of moral clarity around, you know, her obligation as a senator to call for Trump's impeachment, um, which, you know, sort of part and parcel of her very service-oriented um, kind of mindset to what it means to seek elected office. Right, right. All right, last question for you, uh, and this is a this is another A and B type of question. So um, if I if I haven't lost you yet, I will probably do that here. Um, Excellent. <laughs> how popular do you think uh, this plan will be among voters? Will it a be just as popular, if not more popular, than an Old Navy in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? So extremely popular. Or B, uh, yes, extremely popular. <laughs> <laughs> just droves of people. Or will it be B? Not so popular. In fact, it's right down there with the GOP tax bill of 2017, which Salon.com reported was the second most unpopular piece of legislation of all time, polling only slightly better than the most unpopular piece of legislation of all time, the failed GOP health care bill. Oh, I'm going to go with A for the vanishingly, uh, hopefully getting bigger group of people who base their uh, voting preferences on solid perusals of uh, policy platforms. So. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I just like how, you know, one of the things when I was thinking of when I was writing that was like the the idea that the, the idea that like Republicans or, or conservatives like in these op-ed pieces or on TV are like mocking this plan. It's it's so funny to me because it's like this is a detailed, intelligent plan and like, all right, maybe there's some, some edges that like, you know, but, but in general, you think it would resonate too with, with like a lot of the Republican base. Right. But at the same time, like these are the same people who rolled out like the shittiest two bills like ever in Congress, you know? And it's just like, (laughs) it's like, are you kidding? Like the idea of credibility is, is, um, is, is the president, uh, Trump literally waved a blank piece of paper today at reporters <laughs> claiming that it was his secret Mexico plan, which is, <laughs> I can't think of like a more on the nose metaphor <laughs> for the level of thought and detail that goes into you know, the GOP plans and Trump waving a, a blank piece of paper claiming it's a secret plan. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, Corey, thanks so much uh, for being our State of the Stat correspondent and talking about uh, Elizabeth Warren's two cents. And uh, I hope that I hope that I haven't scared you away with my A and B questions. No, my only my only request, my humble request, is that in post you add in Meredith Brooks, uh, both on both ends of this. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put that as like a segue music, little you know bumper music, and. Uh, and uh, we just won't tell. We we just won't say anything um, to anybody about that. I mean, you know, I, I though they, I may get a cease and desist from somebody, but uh, she's gonna come after you personally. <laughs> you know what? That would be awesome. That would help the podcast. That would help our numbers. So. <laughs> That's true. You know, bad press uh, is good press. Stir up a little, stir up a little heat. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, thanks so much, Corey. I really appreciate uh, you being uh, you being with us on State of the Stat. Excellent. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Understand how you be so confused.